I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson, and <laughs> buckle up. This is going to be an interesting one. You know, when you look in Scripture, uh, you see Moses. We, th- we think of Moses as a great man of faith. Well, Moses murdered a man. Uh, and, of course, Paul wrote m- most of the New Testament, and uh, Paul stood by and basically uh, watched a man be stoned to death. Uh, and he persecuted Christians uh, as Saul before he became Paul. Uh, King David guy who wrote most of the Psalms, the guy that we look at as the greatest king of Israel, sent a man basically to his death. He would be complicit in murder. How, how does God look at people who commit terrible crimes? Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at that uh, in a modern context. Uh, my guest today is, is a pastor. His name is Dewey Williams, uh, and he has a book called Finding Joy on death row, uh, and frankly, uh, I wouldn't have been quite as surprised if this had been titled Finding Hope on Death Row or something like that, you know? Finding joy? I mean, what does that even look like? Most of us have never been in a prison. By the way, uh, if you've heard of Tex Watson, who uh, committed most of the murders for Charles Manson decades ago, uh, who is life in prison in California, he actually watches Life Today, has written to us leads Bible studies in the prison. So, I mean, this is a, a tough one at times because our sense of justice and God's sense of justice don't always line up, and it's God's will that none should perish, and he wants redemption for all of us, which is a hard pill to swallow if you've been the victim of a crime, let's be honest. So, let's, uh, Pastor uh, Dewey Williams is the pastor of Mount Bright Missionary Baptist Church, I want to get that right, in the Hillsborough North Carolina, beautiful part of the country, and he joins us now. Uh, Pastor Dewey, great to have you on Life Today Live. It's great to be here, Randy. I'm uh, glad to have this time to share with you and with with your uh, your uh, audience. So before we get into some of your story uh, and the stories from Death Row, tell us how you even got into uh, dealing with, with prisoners, uh, the worst of our society. Well, I was um, moving to North Carolina. I was pastoring in Denver, Colorado, and our daughter died. And uh, my wife wanted to move to North Carolina near our other daughter. And so we moved here and we joined a church that had a prison ministry. And I wasn't pastoring that church. I just, but I love to preach. And so I joined the prison ministry and found myself preaching in a local small prison in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, once or twice a month. And that eventually led me to the large prison in Raleigh where death row is. And so I started preaching while I, while I moved to, to Durham and I went to school and, and it just gave me an outlet. I wanted to preach and, and the preaching and the worship in prison is always so powerful Mm. because there are no facades. There's no, you know, pretense of being good and right. Everybody knows everybody there is broken and has done something terribly wrong. 
And so there is a more genuine sense of repentance. Mm. That's been my experience yeah. when well, I go to worship in prison. That, that, that's fascinating. Now, you also have uh, a very personal connection to violent crime. Um, tell us what happened to you and your family. Um, well, my uh, sister, in a spell of paranoid schizophrenia, uh, heard voices that said to kill our dad. And she bought a bought a gun and went to the home and waited at the home for my dad, who was a minister, arriving home with my mother and kids in the car. And she pulled the pistol out and shot him in the forehead. Jeez. And he died subsequent to that. And so violence and death uh, hit very hard in my family and in my life and changed us drastically. Um, from that day on. How old were you when this happened? I was 21 years old. I was in school in Dallas, Texas. Hmm. And um, this happened in Denver, Colorado while I was in school. So you, you say it impacted you and your family, obviously. Uh, what was the aftermath of that? Well, our family after that spread. I had brothers and sisters in Denver and my mother was in Denver. But within a year, uh, everybody except one had left Denver and had moved to various parts of the country. And so we became disconnected. And um, and it just seemed we all were hurting. Not a one of us went to counseling. Not a one of us saw a therapist or, or got any help. We were just, you know, soldiering through as, as you know, good Christian folk and but none of us got any help. And we, we went all the way from Baltimore to California and we were all just separated in all of our different locations. And, and it was very, it was probably 20 years until we actually had a family reunion where we all got together wow. and, and, and spent time. It's just that we, I think we were all hurting so much mm. that it was difficult to, um, to come together. Sure. Sure. I, I, I can imagine. Um, what happened to your sister? She immediately was taken to uh, the state hospital and was hospitalized uh, in uh, in Pueblo, Colorado. And she was there for five years. And after five years, they determined that she was well and uh, they let her out. And wow. she moved back to Denver and all of my brothers and sisters had left. But every time I would go to Denver, I would go by and see her. Mm. And I still today, when I go to Denver now, I go by. She's she's had a relapse and she's in a facility now in Denver uh, because she wasn't taking medications. And so she's been, she's not hospitalized. It's more like a secured nursing home where she can't leave. Mm. And um, and so she is, she is there and... I see her every every year or two that I go to Denver. I go see her. How how does that experience um, influence the, the way you go into prisons and death row? Well, it taught me a lesson. My my sister has mental health issues mm -hmm. that led to her committing this horrible horrible crime. But it also taught me that there are some stories and some circumstances behind most of the people that are incarcerated on death row. Mm -hmm. 
I think many of them are not worse than most of us. They were drawn into uh, problems with mental health, with poverty, with um, with uh, terrible relationship choices, with drugs, mm. and all of these factors plays a role in so many of them. There are some that are hardened criminals, but most of those that come out to the Christian worship uh, admit that they made a mistake and they were just drawn into some circumstances that took them in the wrong direction. So in, in the book, uh, what, what all do you cover? You know, your, the subtitle unexpected lessons from lives we discarded. Um, what, what do you cover in this? Well, I, I cover mostly that joy is so powerful that the bars and walls and fences that hold these men captive are not strong enough to hold out joy. Hmm. And thus, in our lives, when we feel that joy is not there, and that's what that was my story. When, I, when God sent me to death row, I wasn't feeling the joy mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And so when we don't feel the joy, we have our own barriers that have been created for us or that we have created for ourselves. God's joy is more powerful than any barrier that seems to stand and create a resistance to God reaching into our lives. Joy will break down the walls and pull apart the bars and tear open the fences to get into us and to reach us. So that's how powerful joy is. And so that's the message of the book. Uh, you may not be, you probably not on death row, but we can have our own little death rows where we, you know, hide yeah. ourselves behind bars. Well, yeah, yeah. You want to start talking about prison as an allegory. <laughs> we can, we can really, that, that opens up a lot. But, you know, it, here's a question. And I mean, I think you'll understand why I asked the question. I'm, I'm not being argumentative, but do do people on death row deserve joy? Well, I, I, I would think so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, I have a chapter in the book that said joy is God's work. And so this is not something that I dispense or that I uh, earn or that I deserve. It is a part of God's work in our lives. God wants to push back against the despair that is there. And so uh, I would say, yes, they deserve it because they are human. They're still human. They are still children of God, even though they are fallen and broken and, uh, and have done many of them. Most of them have done something horrible. There are some of them have said they're innocent and, and there are some innocence projects that have demonstrated yeah. there are some people. Yeah. Yeah. That are, you know, the DNA comes back and, Oh, we got the wrong person. And so, uh, <laughs> hey, have you ever dealt with one of those? Because those are, I mean, you know, you're always like, yeah, I'm sure everybody on death row is innocent. Right. But then you find out something happened and you're like, oh, geez. And you go, oh, yeah. now here's a whole different level of, un, uh, of injustice. Right. Uh, where someone yeah. has spent time in prison. Have you, have you had some of those personally? Well, not, not in on death row. Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't had anybody exonerated on death row, but I have had uh, at my church, I had a, a guest and on, oh, I'm sorry, I cannot recall his name right now, but he came, he had been locked up for 40 years Jeez. in North Carolina prisons, had a life sentence. Jeez. And then the DNA came back and they had the wrong man. 
and he was released. And I had him as a guest. This is during COVID, the, the heart of COVID. I had him as a guest online uh, during our worship service. And uh, he talked with us about his experience. And he wasn't defeated. The thing was that he had the joy of Jesus. Mm. It had lifted him, even though he had 40 years of being incarcerated when he they had the wrong man. He still came on with a testimony of the goodness of Jesus Christ. So and that well, was powerful. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is powerful because <laughs> you would, you, I mean, you would almost expect, uh, just in human terms, bitterness, resentment, a desire for <laughs> revenge or something, you know. Uh, and and that's what's so powerful about what you're talking about. I can imagine the level of joy that he experienced when he when the truth came out and he was released from prison that had to be a whole level of joy that you know you just you, you, i don't know not much would compare to that at the same yeah. time what you're talking about is a spiritual release from prison even though they're physically still in prison and there's a level of joy there that's that's possible uh what have you seen in the way of people who are probably not ever going to get out of prison physically, but they've gotten out of the uh, emotional, uh, uh, spiritual, sometimes uh, a level of physical, and you're talking addiction and things like that, um, prisons that they were in that got them in, you know, the penitentiary in the first place. My first day going to death row, I, I, I gave a talk about forgiveness, and then uh, we had a a, a break and we had some cookies and soft drinks or something, some punch or something mm-hmm. for everybody. And we were sitting around tables and one man who was on death row came over to me and sat next to me and said, I need to tell you something. He said, I'm not on death row. I'm on life row mm-hmm. and I'm going to live my life the best I can every day that I can. And that man changed my life Mm. because I, at that moment, was kind of kicking myself because I wasn't where I wanted to be. I wasn't (laughs) doing what I wanted to do. And here he was. He had overcome all that would seek to take joy out of his life. And he wanted to share with me, by the power of God, He was going to live his life the best he could every day, even if it meant he was locked up on death row for the rest of his life. And and so I left that prison that day saying, if God gave that to him, I know God's given it to me also. And I decided I'm going to live my life Mm. the best I can every day that I can from now on. And so he taught me a lesson. And, and here it was, a man incarcerated. Uh, and he told me later on, he told me a story of how when he went to death row, he had hope of getting off and uh, having it changed to life and maybe getting out in some years. Mm-hmm. And he had an attorney that got him off of death row. And he went to general populations. And then several months later, they had another hearing and they put him back on death row. <laughs> which kind of sounds very cruel. (laughs) Uh, And so he was on death row, off of death row, and then back. And he said he had a two-year period of depression Mm. where he was just bitter and mad and upset. 
because he had hoped he would have a chance to eventually one day get out. And now they put him away until he's scared, you know, until he would die. Mm -hmm. And, um, but God brought him through that. There was another man that's on death row. Uh, and I got his story. He would tell him every time he saw him, you ought to come to worship. We worship on Sundays, come out on Sundays. And he would he was just bitter and mad and upset and he resisted. And then after a couple of years, that guy who would not stop <laughs> telling him about Jesus and about worship, he said, okay, I'll go. <laughs> and he ended up going to worship. And the first Sunday that I was there, the man who had been through this on death row, off, back on, in depression, he was a liturgist. He was leading the worship mm. there on death row. And that just tells me how powerful is God? Yeah. How great is our God yeah. to reach through all of this and to connect with uh, these men that are on death row? And then they connected with me. And so it was, it was very powerful. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think if you're, if I was that close, you know, to the, the people and seeing the transformation of their lives, um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I, I would, respond because i mean it can get political real fast and that's not my desire but i wonder if if i mean what do you think that they should be let out of prison or should they spend the rest of their life in prison you know i, I don't the death penalty is a whole other thing um yeah. i mean i'm conflicted over that i just i just am. Yeah. i don't like I, it you know but yeah I am I'm I'm opposed to the death penalty because there's so many arbitrary things that are involved in who gets it and who doesn't get it. Yeah. For instance, in in my situation, I live in a county where there is nobody in my county that's on death row. But the county next to me has 10 people on death row. Mm. What happens at the county line? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that you go from 0 to 10 people. And it's, you know, there are different courts, different judges, different prosecutors, different, you know, and so there's an un, unequal thing that happens. Yeah. And uh, there's one man, I interviewed him and his stories in the book, and his attorney was arrested with the D, uh, DUI during his hearing. Oh, God. And that did not come out. The man, the attorney was on his deathbed and he confessed. I was, you know, I was a drunk representing this man on death row and he's still on death row, even though the, even though the attorney admitted, admitted that on his deathbed. So, and so there's just so many things that make it problematic to do something that's so final as yeah. to take somebody's life when it can be uh, variable for so many people. So just, uh, yeah. And I, I get that the, I mean, it sounds like a John Grisham novel with the legal issues and the, the lack of equal application of the law. Um, but just from a conceptual standpoint, um, you know, scripturally, I could say, you know, you commit murder, you deserve to be put to death from an Old Testament standpoint. <laughs> from the New Testament, you have a little bit more difficult problem, you know, making that case. Uh, I just, I don't know, what do, what what should we do with people that, you know, because you got you to gotta keep the, the victims, uh, you know, have to have a voice, uh, and you don't want a bunch of jailhouse conversions so people are getting out early and they're dangerous, you know. 
I don't yeah. know. Do you have, do you have any, I'm just curious what you think because you deal with it so much. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not in favor of just opening up the prison doors and just sending everybody out. Mm. Uh, I do think we need to have a new adjusted approach to justice. And, uh, and I, I think about liberation that needs to take place. And that's where liberation uh, for the individual that is uh, incarcerated, that has done the, the bad, but also liberation for the victim because so often the victims are incarcerated in their own feelings and their own emotions. Yeah. And, and I use as an example, uh, Paul was incarcerated. Paul and Silas were in jail. And if you read that chapter in Acts 16, everybody in that account gets liberated. Uh, and that's a spiritual liberation. Yeah. There was a the young girl who was, you know, being used she gets liberated. You know, she was a, a prophetess and she gets liberated. She gets freed. Uh, Paul and Silas sing and the other prisoners hear them. And, and they're all the prison doors are open. They don't leave, but there's a liberation that takes place. Good. The jailer was about to take his life. He was about to commit suicide. And Paul gives him the most important message of his life. We're still here. And that's the that's really what church is all about. We just get together and say, we're still here. And, you know, yeah. in spite of everything that's happened. So there's a liberation that takes place. And I think we need to be about preaching and teaching this liberation. And our systems need to be liberated. Victims need to be liberated perpetrators need to be liberated and that liberation comes through the power of Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. I mean, when you take the spiritual into account, uh, it's pretty easy. You know, we, we want the redemption of everyone. We want everyone to come to Christ, to be made whole, to be liberated. Uh, and fortunately you don't have to solve all the legal and political problems when you, when you have that call. Uh, what do you see? And the design of my book is not to be political right, and not to right. be drawn into the social dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to avoid some of that, right. you know, because it's there. But the book is really about how joy is powerful and how joy reaches all of us. And I do have a point in the book where I talk to the victims. If you're a victim of someone that has taken somebody, so often you are living in your own prison. Yeah. And this book is for them just as much that they can find joy out of that. And for me, that's a part of what had to happen with my sister killing my dad. A part of my joy was taken because I had this relationship where it probably wasn't the most healthy, but I was in competition with my dad. I was trying to do better than my dad (laughs) as a minister. (laughs) I wanted to do more and go further and reach more people. And then all of a sudden, that was burst and taken away from me. And I had to reconcile myself. And I had to deal with how do I have this sense of love for my sister and her getting what I, you know, what I think she deserves for taking my dad's life. And so, you know, God had to change my heart and had to deal with me Mm. on that. And I think that's for victims you know, it's a tough place and I'm not saying get over it by no means. It's not a get over it. It's a matter of giving it to God and let God work in you. Let God touch you. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. Gosh, you have such a unique perspective. Uh, I think it gives you a powerful voice. I'm sorry that you had have had to, to go through the pain that you've gone through to to be able to speak from that position. But I appreciate that you're that you are speaking and speaking life to those on death row, speaking freedom to those who may never get out of prison. Um, what what do you feel like your calling is, you know, from here on out? Well, in, in terms of, you know, the book, I want to convince people that if they will look for joy, God will lead them in the paths of joy. That's my story. I had decided at the beginning of 2016 that everything that I was going to do was about joy. That was my decision. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pursue it. And in October of 2016, somebody came to me and said, come and go to with us to death row. And I'm like, how am I going to tie joy into death row? And so I ended up preaching about joy. My sermons won an award at Yale. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and yeah, joy on death row, won an award. You can, you know, you can look it up online. <laughs> and, and, and lo and behold, Yale invited me to come and speak at their conference on joy in the good life. And, here I am trying to find joy and God just led me right along the path and God gave me joy. So that's really what I want to be about. How do you find joy wherever you, I don't care what your circumstances, I don't care how low you may be. I don't care what you're thinking and what people are saying about you. You can find joy. You got to look for it, turn to it. And God will take you there and God will give it to you. And I, that's, that's my message. That's what I want to be about. For the rest of my life, I'm going to live my life the best I can, telling people about joy every day that I can. That's what I'm about from from now on. Hmm. Pastor Dewey Williams, I love it. Uh, I love it. it. It's God's message, um, and wow, you have a unique voice, and I appreciate you using it. I want to show people your website real quick. This is FindingJoyOnDeathRow.org. Um, and then your your church, I, I saw that URL. What's the URL for your church? Uh, uh, Mountbright.org. Mountbright.org. Okay. So do you have your sermons online there as well? Uh, no, we don't. No. We're... We're trying to move in that direction. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. All right. Well, I just if someone wants to hear you, I mean, I'm sure the, some of the stuff's on YouTube and things like that. Yes. But uh, certainly you can pick up the book uh, and, and find your own joy. You know what? In a sense, you know, last I check, none of us get out of here alive. We're all on a death row of sorts. That's right. And That's right. You know, if you're not incarcerated, there's no reason to live in any kind of prison, emotional, spiritual, any of that. Uh, so what a message, what a beautiful message, Pastor Dewey. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing both to help people, uh, victims of crime, the criminals, uh, and then just, just pointing the rest of us to joy. It's, it's liberating. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Praise be to God. I love it. And appreciate you guys out there watching, man. My goodness. Hit share. What a, what a message to share with other people. Give them hope, point them to joy. Uh, and if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, I would ask you to do that so I can bring you more fascinating interviews like this, informative, encouraging, hopeful, joyful. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. To believe him, to receive him, and to receive the healing from body, mind, and soul.